Well, this is our Christmas season, and we get to begin this. And if you are aware of Advent candles, how many of you do Advent candles? Some of you raise your hands. Yeah. When you do those, those first are hope and faith. And when you hear the word rejoice, come long, expected Jesus, and that word rejoice, we're used to that word R-E before things, reinvigorate, restart, re-energize. They're all this idea of let's do it again. And sometimes it's a calling upon joy even when we don't see it as we move through life. So let us pray together. Father, we come together and we, we, we recognize in this season we come with hope and faith and we again call upon the joy that we know, the joy that you are with us, that you love us, that you care for us, that you are present with us. And Father, we also want to take a moment and together as a community, we want to give the gift of our own prayers towards those that we may know who are in situations where they're in a place of hope, a place of struggle, where they're holding on with faith, and they're seeking to walk out with this word, rejoice. Not because of the circumstances, but because they know that you are with them. God, in this moment, would you just hear some of the prayers of our people here in person and those in our online community as they lift up prayers to those whom they love, whom they may work with or they may know, or maybe even family or close friends. This Christmas, God, we give the gift of prayer, of hope, and we hold with our brothers and sisters and with others faith for their circumstances and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you turn or sit down, I'm going to ask you to turn and wave. No touching. No breathing on anyone. But turn and wave and, and just say Merry Christmas to someone. So good. Thank you for doing that. I just um, one of the things I, I I want to share with you is this is an exciting season, and we started it. We kicked it off um, Friday with celebrate the season, where we had our women's ministry event. It was a nativity um, through really the gift of dance, and we had this place was packed. Over three hundred fifty people were just um, women were here. And there was a number of men who were actually serving in the kitchen, and what a great event. And so thank you for that. And then yesterday, our staff kicked off Christmas with our Christmas party. We had a great time together. And I am excited about this Christmas season and the things that we have planned together in this season. I, we started um, planning this back in um, August, September. And that was the first parts of it. And we kind of morphed to a name called Christmas Through the Eyes Of, and we left it blank. 
and what that would look like. And so as we come into this Christmas, we're going to give you opportunities to do lots of those things. Out and back are some traditional Christmas trees with like a little stable thing. We invite you to go back there. We'll have someone taking pictures. If you want to take a picture with your own camera, go ahead and do that. An easy way to share with people that you're a part of a faith community is to post that as well. If you want to post it in social media, we'd love for you to do that. That's back there. Behind me here is this chalk drawing. And I'm going to have you take a look at this. We're grateful to Lynn Kratasta. We are going to add to this scene throughout every Sunday. So I don't know if you could show that. This is the story of Mary and Joseph we're going to begin with. Next week we're talking, so it's the unexpected. We'll talk about that in a moment. Then Christmas through the eyes of wonder. We're going to talk about creation. Um, have you ever thought why there are animals around the stable? Why even God would allow that to be the case? We're going to talk about that. I'm really excited. Tom Frankie is going to come and share with me in a conversational way. And um, and then the next one will be Christmas through the eyes of power, and that will be our kids' Christmas program that morning. And Peter Kapsner and I are going to talk about this juxtaposition of power and vulnerability and, and why God, Jesus, would, why God would bring um, his presence to us in the form of a vulnerable child. Um, and maybe I should, you know, this is my, can you see where I drew here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe I should add something every week and ask you to pick out the part I drew. <laughs> huh? I, I'm so grateful to Lynn, and we have a number of artists, and this is one of the ways we can worship God through um, all the gifts that he's given us. I know you all have different gifts that God has given you that will create an opportunity to bring glory to God and connection to other people and to God. So thanks for that. The story of Mary and Joseph. Christmas through the eyes of what I've called the unexpected. Everybody has expectations in life. If you wake up with an expectation of that day, most of us wake up hoping that the expectation is it'll be a good day, Right? How many plan with the expectation of this is going to be a bad day? I'm hoping for a bad day. You don't do that. The very first Christmas, um, this was all unexpected. They were expecting that God would deliver, but they had no idea how this would happen. So when you look at the story of Mary and Joseph, it's a great example of looking at it through the eyes of the unexpected. There's three narratives, historical narratives the one that begins is, is in Luke with the annunciation from the angel to Mary that she will be given birth to, a, she'll give birth to a child. It's in Luke chapter one. And then you move to another, um, place of unexpected presence of God when, when Joseph hears the news. I'm sure that's not what he's hoping for. Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant and God did it. And then it goes through the whole wrestling through it in the dream. And, and then the unexpected presence of an angel that tells him, yeah, God did do this. And then there's a third narrative with Mary and Joseph as they make their way down to Bethlehem. You ever thought of what that might look like if that happened? Not 2,000 years ago, 
but today. I want you to look at this. Hey, babe. Hold on, I'm making a TikTok. Okay, well, Caesar Augustus just issued a tweet. People still use Twitter? Apparently, we gotta go, there's a census now? What do you mean? I don't know, we all, everyone has to go back to the man's hometown to be counted. Wait, I am nine months pregnant. It is Christmas Eve. This is not the time. Listen, if we're going to go all the way up there, we should probably spend the night. Let me just, I'm trying to find a hotel. I literally can't find anything. Everything's booked. Use your Marriott points. Everything's blacked out. Okay. Well, I just found an Airbnb. Okay. Looks like it's a rustic barn. A full immersive experience. There are live barn animals. Just think about the photo op. You, me, the baby. And this guy. No, we're not doing that. We're so great. I mean, we've got to do something to top a gender reveal. Listen, I'm sorry we didn't have a balloon popping or a confetti cannon or anything. Ours was better than that. We found out we were having a boy because an angel of the Lord appeared to me in a dream. dream. I know. You got chocolate on your face. I know. I mean, I know, Joe. All right, so what? All right, I'm going to check reviews. Yeah, all right. Five stars. Okay. Raise the barn roof. Oh, it says the baby has to sleep in a manger. But I read on a mom blog that exposure to hay and allergens like isn't good for newborns, so. Are we gonna vaccinate, by the way? My parents will not go for that. What? My parents said they wanted us to. Your parents. Okay, I don't know what that means. You're emotional and you're with child. I'm gonna choose to ignore that. Listen, we'll just go. I'll pack an overnight bag. Let me just go upstairs. I'll get like some swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes? Yeah, what? Mm-hmm. What? I read another blog that said if a newborn turns over while it's swaddled, suffocation risks. Listen, I know you're putting a lot of pressure on this. This is your firstborn child. Can you just chill on like the mom blogs for a second? Okay, gifts. What? Let's think this through. Hypothetically, okay. what if three intelligent males want to come and bring us a gift? I mean, where are they coming from? The Far East? Maybe. Just tell them to Amazon Prime it. It's fine. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. Yes. I can't believe we're going to miss Christmas. Yeah, well, I'm pregnant and we're just engaged, so I'm not going to miss the judgmental stares from the in-laws. Thanks. You know, yeah, now, yeah, that makes sense. Now that I think about it, I can't think you put it there. Oh, my. What? I am going to be posting on Instagram. It's not. From a barn. Don't do it. With live barn animals announcing our newborn child. Think about the likes. Listen, can we just lower the expectations here? You're putting a lot of pressure on this, okay? This kid, he's not going to be perfect. Mm, I think he is. <laughs> oh, I love that. Here in their first Christmas, if you kind of look at it like, what if that happened today? I I think when you think back, as they go through all those narratives that are recorded in Luke and Matthew, there are some, what I would call, overwhelmingly, unexpectedly good things that happen. It's pretty amazing. Here's Mary praying, and, and she's chosen to be the mother of the Messiah, the long awaited gift of God who will deliver the world through this child. And then not only that, the unexpectedness, if you think of how overwhelmingly good this God is, that he didn't choose someone from the high priestly family or some other royal kind of lineage. He chose a couple of teenagers who, as you think about it, they were blue-collar people, no-named 
They come from a um, backwoods region called Galilee from an actually unmapped city. wasn't well known at all in this area of Nazareth. And here is this couple that God chooses. And it's so filled with wonder and, and, and this whole idea of what God's doing that Mary at one point in Luke chapter 1 verse 19 says she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Some of the unexpected things that God brings into our life that are overwhelmingly good. And yet, there are also unexpected things that are just painfully challenging. You just have to imagine all that they went through. Here she is pregnant. They're not married yet. And they have to bear the shame of that entire village. And you have... um, uh, in Mary's heart, I'm sure thinking of a, uh, of a, a once-in-a-lifetime wedding and ceremony and celebration and all those things, just think of some of you in COVID just a year ago, right, where your wedding was far different than what you expected maybe for it to be. And you then have this trip at a certain point where you're pregnant and it's by foot. We're not talking about trains, planes, and automobiles, right? They have to walk there. And they get there, they have a baby, and after that, they have to run to Egypt again. And it was filled with a lot of painful things as well. I wanted us to take a look at what, is it, what, is it, what does it look like for an everyday life, kind of go through this unexpected life where you come before God and you open your heart to good and bad, the things that God brings in your life. So I'm excited to be able to ask at this point for Christy Peel and Terry Esau to come. I'm going to have them do kind of a conversation with me. That's one of the things we talked about we'd like to do through Christmas is some of these conversations and bring these stories. And so thank you guys for coming. Um, Grab a seat here with me. Um, You look Christmassy. You know, I was in the news business, and we have like a team coverage thing happening. So bravo, we didn't plan it, but we look, this works. You're looking good. You know what? People might be wondering if I am Christmas Eve, but right here. Bravo. There you go. Um, anyway. Uh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, well, the niceties will get rid of Yo, Christy, I just, just want to say, you guys have been, I think, a part of this church for about 16 years, came here before I came, um, have raised your kids here, and you um, had been a news reporter and then have recently... I don't know if it's so recent now, but our um, founder and CEO of Media, um, Media Minefield. And so just a little bit of background. That's who Christy is. There's a lot more to tell. And Terry Esau on the other side. Terry, you've been a part of this church a long time. Should I even say how many years? It indi- it's indicated by my age. Yeah. <laughs> no. Terry and, and your whole family, they were here. Your kids were here when they were in, in the primary age, grade school, up, you know, raised them. And, and you've been a part of a number of things. You had a co-studios where you um, were a, writing music jingles for a, a number of advertisers. And then you went in and wrote a book and did some national speaking. And then now some of you may know uh, Free Bikes for Kids which is uh, the organization that is a nonprofit that Terry has been able to found and develop, and you're just starting a new one called Free Guitars for Kids. So it's kind of endless. Anyway, that's enough of that. I just thought I'd give you a little bit of background on why these people are here, who they are, what's going on. And the reason you're here is because as I was thinking about this idea of unexpected, um, you both came to my mind. Um, you've had unexpected, um, both bad and good, and so have you, 
But why, I'm going to start with you, Terry, because when I was thinking about this unexpected, I was thinking about the fact that Mary and Joseph had a series of surprises, and good and bad, and you took time where you began to start asking that question about what does it look like to live watching for the unexpected? And they actually wrote a book called Surprise Me, God. So tell us what that was all about and why you did it. Well, it started, um, I asked myself two questions. One, does God, has God surprised people throughout history? And does, is that kind of his MO? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, okay, well, let's, maybe I should do a quick run through the Bible and look at it. So mm-hmm. start at the beginning. Adam, you know, Adam's like, he's waking up one day and he kind of has this pain in his rib. He can't remember what that's all about. And he opens his eyes and there's Eve, you know, and I think God is 10 feet away behind a tree going, surprise. <laughs> yeah, pretty good day. And then there's, you know, Noah and the ark and the flood and there's Joseph and that whole little excursion to Egypt. And there's Daniel and the lion's yeah. den. And I think, you know, it was more the lions that were surprised that day because they looked at each other and go, I don't know, I'm not hungry. Not hungry you know, today for some strange, reason. Strange yeah. day to be a lion. Yeah, yeah. Then, like you said, Mary you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Right. What? Right. Or the resurrection. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah. So um, so I go, okay, well, God has a tendency to surprise us. Then the question is, does he still do it? Mm-hmm. Does he want to surprise me? And that's what led me to this book where I go, I'm going to wake up every day for 30 days. I'm going to begin my day with a three-word prayer, surprise me, God, but not surprise me with a new Escalade, surprise me with whatever it is you want to bring into my days. And then I did the Kevin Meyer thing. I kept a journal. You actually journaled, okay. I'm really proud of you. But I've only journaled 30 days total in my whole life. (laughs) I'm not a a journal Well, you know what? Let me just say, it's not for everybody. I get that. But for me, it works. I think... Everybody has to find out how they're going to hear God. I think it's interesting when you're talking about this. I was just reading. Um, most people, Christians and non-Christians, live as deists, meaning they believe God is somewhat out here, but he doesn't intervene. And so to ask the very question surprised me. And what's interesting, when I was reading it, and some guy, it was around theodicy and some things like this, and it's a guy, they're talking about Voltaire, and Voltaire was this guy who, who had a, you know, this view of God at a point that was out there, and then a horrible earthquake happened in Lisbon back in the 1700s, and, and he moved away from God. But there are also people who live in this place who also call themselves as Christians, and they don't live with an expectation of God doing something, and if you have an eye towards God that's open to him, whether it's good or bad, it can actually move you closer to him. So tell me a little bit about your experiment. Well, it was, you know, I I mean, we all are on a faith journey, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there were moments where I go, I wonder if my faith is feeling a little static, a little stagnant, a little stale. And And I was like, if God wants to surprise people, does he want to surprise us? Like, not just big picture, like salvation, heaven, whatever. Does he want to surprise us in the moments, the small moments of our days? So you don't necessarily see them if you're not looking for them. Right, right. And and I decided, you know, I want my faith not to just be something I understand, but something I feel. Not something I just intellectualize, but internalize. Right. Um, you know, not something I just live but something that I'm, I'm in love with this, this relationship with God. So, 
So through the process of doing this, it was like, wait a minute. I think God actually wants to be involved with us daily and wants to be involved in our lives. And it was like I kind of, through this process, I, I pushed all the chips to the middle of the table and said, um, you know, I'm betting my life, my career, my, you know, like Christy, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to bet it all and say that I believe that God has my best interest in mind and I should want that too. So that's the journal part because then you would actually take time to see or to write and to see and, and look for that, right? Yeah. And it turned into a book. It, yeah, I, I journaled 200 pages in 30 days. I'm so, I'm so I, I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you too. But but just so you know, all the surprises were not good yeah. either. You know, there were, and, and I don't want to talk about some of them, <laughs> but they're all in the book. But yeah, it's like when God opens your eyes, um, sometimes he shows us things about ourselves that maybe we didn't even want to see. So what it does in many ways, and I love what you had to say, it's not about understanding your faith, but can I actually feel my faith? Can it come alive? Can I not just live it, but can I begin to love this interaction that I have with God that I might miss throughout every day? Because like I said in the beginning, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, God, surprise me with a really bad day, Right? What we ask God often is, hey, God, I have this day, and I'd like it to turn out this way, and I, I'm asking you to join me in my day, rather than doing what you just did. And maybe you can do this for Christmas, and it may be a gift that God wants to give you, where you could just turn around it and say, God, how about today I look for you so that I can be with you and join you in the things that you're doing that I might miss that is truly a gift of God, both good or bad, and how do I respond to that with the Holy Spirit guiding me, which creates a whole different kind of movement within your heart in relationship to God. So I love that. So Christy, you, on the other hand, um, I, I asked for you to share this part um, because I remember when you kind of um, came into m- my life, so to speak, you were at that point, just prior to that, you were um, an award-winning journalist with Channel 5 News and you had one of these unexpected things happen. They gave you a pink slip. And I thought, I was talking to your husband, Ben, and I thought, I got to see if she can do communications at her church, which, we, which is what I did. So. And you know this. I blame you for this whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but thank you yeah. for sharing that with yeah, me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so it was 2008. Uh, I had was at the pinnacle of my career. Uh, I had just won a, a couple of Emmys. Uh, I was in negotiations for my next contract. I was doing some work for Good Morning America. And I was sitting right up there. And if you're up there, like you might want to move because... <laughs> there is a spot right up there that if you sit in that one chair, yeah, right, you're in it's trouble. Magical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now they're all trying to get up right, there. They're moving. Anyway. Uh, so I was sitting right up there and, and Kevin was preaching about uh, what is your identity in? And if there's something keeping you from your relationship with Christ, pray for that to be removed. So I said, oh, well, for sure it's my career because my I was TV reporter first. Yeah. And that was what I had always done. And I'm a type A person. And I was I had my hands on the steering wheel. And God was in the back of the bus. And when I needed him for bad stuff to help me, I would, I would call him up. And then I would like, well, thanks so much. Most people drive a car, but you had him in the bus way oh, in the yeah, back. Oh, yeah, he was yeah, way in the back. I'm impressed. Way in the back. He, I, you usually <laughs> just put him in the back seat. but no. Way in the back. <laughs> So I'm sitting up there, and, and Kevin says this, and I pray, and uh, within 30 days, I was one of 20 people who lost my job. 
And I immediately knew it was a blessing, and I immediately knew uh, that it was going to be just painfully difficult because that was my plan. Yeah. <laughs> that was my only plan. And uh, I started just leaning into the community of people, my friends here, and I looked, turned to God, and, and I, went, I immediately knew, like, I'm going to the back of the bus now. I have no plan. You take over. I don't know where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. And it led me here to work to work at the church. And you worked here, and then through that process, God led you to. Actually, I was really bummed when I heard this because now I, you're leaving and going to do something else. Why don't you just share a little bit about that? Well, you and the other staff members, we knew from the beginning that this wasn't my life's calling to be in ministry well, here. And I, we, I didn't know that. I you did know that. <laughs> and you introduced. I'm sorry. You know, I'm a. You introduced me to like strength finders and really encouraged me to lean into how I'm wired and what God put me on this earth to do and to, and to help other people and to make an impact. And so through that, I took a class uh, in the church basement and it was a uh, passion to action. It was how to take your passion, giftedness, and talents and help other people. And I immediately knew I should start a business. And I immediately knew the name of it. And I immediately knew that I was going to use my news background to tell the stories of other people and their brands to help them. And Ben was traveling. I called him. uh, He was in New York. And I called him and I said, I'm going to start a business. And here's what we're going to do. And here's the name of it. And he said, great. And 11 years later, we are 45. Well, yeah. yeah, how many people? 45. Five from here. Yeah, she keeps stealing people from here. So do not talk to Christy after the service, <laughs> especially if you're on staff. Um, no, I, I, I'm so, you won't share this, but just this last year you were named the 38th fastest privately owned company in, in growing company in the Twin Cities, which is a, an amazing thing. I, one of the fast, fastest of 5,000 within the U.S. I remember in 2015 getting a call from some Bethel board members, and they asked me, what about this Christy Peel? We're thinking maybe she should be one of the potential candidates for alumnus of the year, which is a big honor at Bethel University. And I thought, man, she's incredible. She's great. And and then I'm at a banquet, and they're actually giving you that award. I mean, God has blessed in so many ways, and yet... I want to make it really clear, and you guys can both step in here. This is not scripted at this moment. Um, but we all know that we experience sometimes the really good of God and his goodness, and we still experience the goodness of God even in some really difficult times. Anybody want to comment on that? I think it's easy to say the awards and the things and to say this was easy or that it was me, and it wasn't. And that... It was the most difficult still times of my life because when you're going to a place without a plan and you feel, I'm an English major. I don't have an entrepreneurial degree. I don't have any of these things. And I'm on stages and I'm speaking and I'm mentoring to people and I have a podcast. I'm doing all these things and it's not me. Mm -hmm. And I, that's the scary thing about doing this is to like take the hands off the wheel. God's plan is bigger than mine. And it doesn't mean it's easy. Well, that, see, what's so incredible, what we're talking about here, about life and the unexpected, I really believe in the heart of Mary and Joseph. There has to be enough of your life where you're not grabbing the wheel, um, where you're allowing God to take that wheel. So it's this interchange where you do this kind of together as a team, but you know that God is in the lead directing. And so you see Mary and Joseph, they had to live enough of their life 
where God could intervene and do the unexpected and then respond to it. You're going to say something about that. Well, it, it reminds me, I was listening to this podcast the other day, which I do way too much of. Um, but it was talking about, it wasn't Tarzan, but it, it did this analogy of swinging on a vine. And you, sw- you swing out on a vine, and at some point you have to let go of that one and grab onto the next one. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways, I feel like a whole lot of my life has been in between vines. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I, I'm holding on, I'm, I have something that's secure, and if I hold on to it, I'm going to end up swinging back. Yeah. Now you have to go, do I trust God enough to let go of this and reach for that other thing? Yeah. Not always knowing where that vine is going to take you or is it secure? Right, right. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm not sure exactly the spiritual connotation no, of that. No, I, but I, I'm just, <laughs> I mean, so I've been reading a book called The Soul of Shame and in it he just talks a lot about what we don't understand this base emotion that actually starts because your brain is built from the bottom up and it starts, you have a brain stem, your amygdala and all the rest. But he talks about before we actually think and put meaning to what we're doing, we have this emotion of, of shame just because we have imperfect parents. It's not like even the big incidents are always of life. The fact that it just is all of a subtle thing that you hear in the tones of voices, which in the whole purpose, this is what I think is interesting what you said, whole purpose of shame is to cause us to withdraw, turn away and hide. And when that you do that, your brain synapses actually disconnect, and you also disconnect from others. The very thing you need to do is to move this way and actually reach out and to see, and it creates, they say, the brain that fires together, um, fires together, wires together. And it's incredibly important. It's become for me to realize how important it is for us, not only to have a, a, um, this ability to, in the midst of our shame and our guilt and our sin, to look through the eyes of Jesus so that he can begin to kind of create the connections that's going to be there because he loves us, but also to do it in others. Here's the point. When you're reaching out, one of the things shame does, the, the reason it's such a powerful tool in the hands of Satan is because shame keeps you from reaching out in faith and grabbing that vine because you're afraid you'll be exposed or vulnerable or whatever it is in that moment. And as you do that, you don't believe that God can be there with you in it. And what voice. you do is you hold back. It's a little voice that says, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not educated enough. I'm not prepared. I don't have enough money. I don't. That's. And I can't grab this. I can't. God, I see. I feel you. I notice you. I believe you put this in my heart, but I'm not going to take this step because it's too scary. It's too. I can't trust you enough in it. And 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 that kind of is that shame kind of holds you back sometimes from what God created this world to be a place of beauty, uh, a place where there's creativity that comes out of who we are that allows for there to be connection in a kind of community like this and also connection with our Father in heaven. And that's how he wants to live. And when we live that way, we are full of joy. We're full of joy. Now, I want you guys, man, this is going way too fast. I knew this. I knew this was going to happen because there's just so much more. I love, you've got something to say. Do the Vikings play at noon or? Yeah, we go. Yeah, we we got time. We we can go. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, I, I just, um, let me just ask you anything else you want to say about that? Otherwise, I'm going to kind of give you one last question and we'll head out. For me, I think it's easy to read the stories in the Bible and say it's ancient. And I think the message is that it's applicable. And, Find a community of people around you who will say, help you say yes when God is doing the nudge 
And once you have the yes, you need people to, and you look at that in the Bible, they have a community and then there's the boldness. There's the boldness that like, this doesn't make any sense, but God said, so Mary and Joseph, Mary, Mary could have said, Oh, I'm just so not me. I'm too, you know, and Joseph could have said, no way. I can't buy this. This is way out of my experience. I had a dream. I'm not really sure. You know, all that. And yet in, in boldness, they reached out. They grabbed hold of God. And their grabbing hold of God has allowed all of us to connect with God and with one another in ways we never would. And he, let me just, just let me do it this way. Go ahead. Why don't you share with us just a few things, kind of conclude, well, and then I'll ask okay. the same. I mean, I was... Uh all of this reminds me of a quote by Henry Nouwen, mm-hmm. where he said, All my life, I tried to avoid the interruptions to my work until I realized the interruptions were my work. <laughs> so that, that was part of what I came to concluding from the whole surprise me thing, was, uh, you know, there is safety and security and comfort in holding on to that vine, but there's no adventure in it. Yeah. You know, there, there's no... You don't actually get to live into the fullness of the life I think that God wants for us. So, uh, and I was going to say, I used to think, you know, the typical vision of the Holy Spirit is as a dove, right? Through this whole process, I started to think of the Holy Spirit as a sharp, bony elbow. <laughs> you know? That's and the Holy Let me see if I find that in the Bible anyway. It's, it, but anyway, it, it's good. Go ahead. I, I Let's have, go with it. What does that mean? A, I have a version that says it. Um, uh, <laughs> you have a version that says it. Is that that version? <laughs> it's, it's a paraphrase. It's not a direct uh, okay. translation. Well, what is it? <laughs> um, but I think it's the Holy Spirit's job to go like this. And our job is to keep tender ribs so that we can feel it. Now, I think through busyness, you know, like Christy, some of the stuff you're saying, you know, with our plans, our need for security and safety and comfort and all that stuff, that tends to create calluses on our ribs. And now we're not as aware of the, the nudge of that Holy Spirit. And I think if we truly want to live into the fullness yeah. of this Christian life that Jesus has for us, I think that's the thing. And I, I think God wants to write his story into us and he wants to write he wants to write his story to us and our story. How does that go again? <laughs> I don't know, but oh, I, I do I know. And, and his story into us. So it's like, it's, he wants to, to, to funnel this, this life that he has planned for us. And it's not, it's not a sacrifice because what he wants is what's best for us yeah. anyhow. So it, it's in our best interest to, to push the chips into the middle of the table to say, I'm going to leave some room in my days for God to interrupt me. I'm still going to make plans. I'm going to do things. I'm going to set my calendar. But am I going to allow some space for God to interrupt me with his holy interruptions that could end up starting a company company like Media Minefield when you hadn't even thought of it? Or a friendship with someone you never knew or the opportunity to pray for someone or the opportunity, whatever it might be. I love that. I think that's a, a good thought around this is, you know, through the eyes of the unexpected, and maybe one of the challenges is, would you live a life this Christmas where you let God interrupt you? Are you open to the gifts of God that come through interruptions? For me, I'm usually not, because I'm usually angry (laughs) that someone's messing with my plan. 
And God's going, it's not your plan that I'm really concerned about. It's that I want you to be a part of my plan. How about co-authoring this together? What about you, Christy? What do you want to say just to conclude? No offense, Terry, but God is the best storyteller and the best author that there has ever. <laughs> and he, so I, I think about also what's important, you know, we're talking about a lot future forward and planning. I think it's really important to look back and whether it's journaling or talking to someone, but looking back and seeing what God has done is so often it's clear kind of in the rearview mirror and difficult during the time. But I look at my story and I think about God could have, that business, could have started, I could have been in a coffee shop, I could have been on a walk, I could have been anywhere. And because it happened here, I talked to people all over the world about this. Every employee hears the story, it billionaires, startups, whatever it is, where did your business start? And I can't separate the fact that it started in a church basement. And I <laughs> love God. that. That Praise is a God. cool story. That is a neat thing to be able to share that with people. Thank you guys so much for coming up here and being a part of this. We're going to take communion, but you have led us into a place where I think uh, we can just pause now and really connect with this incredible love of God. Thank you for doing that, you guys. Thank you.